Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Friday, June the 4th, and boy, in Minnesota, it is summertime. People are running out to the lake, is how we say it, but also, this is a time where we need the Word of God just as much as any time, other time of the year. So this this time, we gather this next hour around the gift of the Holy Scriptures and put on our Christ goggles as we study 2 Kings chapter 4. You might be telling yourself, oh, it's just over and over again, the same stories, but today, there's a repeat of stories stories that you see throughout the scripture, and boy, what a joy it is to see how the Lord provides in the most unlikely of ways, not only pointing us to this story, but also of the greatest story ever ever proclaimed in the Holy Scriptures, which points us to Jesus. What a joyous morning it is to be in God's word, because the gifts are ready, ready for you. A special thanks to our friends from Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us regular guest Pastor David Boisclair of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. It's always a pleasure. Well, Pastor, we are coming upon Second uh, Kings chapter 4, but you know what? Life is going on, like I said, here in Minnesota. Um, it is summertime. People are running to the lake, and it's beautiful out, and the grass is green and everything else. So what's happening for you in St. Louis and the Saints at uh, Faith and Bethesda? Well, it's pretty much the same. Um, you know, in, in, a, in a way, the mild weather that we're having is, is somewhat of a blessing. So, mm-hmm. uh, especially especially when you when you uh, don't maybe have the funds for a new air conditioning unit or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, you, you know, it's uh, I think everyone is is looking forward to uh, summer. <laughs> Yes. Uh, And and the traffic is quite heavy, too. That's true. Yeah, Everybody should drive safely out there and have KFUO on when they're on the road. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially, see, here in Minnesota, I'm going to share this and we'll get right to the text. But there's certain parts of Minnesota that Sunday evening is the most stressful time of the week. Because what happens is if you come from northern Minnesota and you like are from the Twin Cities or where I'm from in St. Cloud area, you drive down certain highways at certain times and all of a sudden there's a stoplight. And so there is the time where people get the most stressed, the least sanctified during the week, and they're 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 they got they're upset. They didn't get as much done as they wanted. They have to go back to work on Monday, and they're driving, and it gets stopped right by a town called Royalton on Highway 10. So I think a good prayer for everybody is to pray for those folks who are driving home on Sunday evening, stuck in traffic, and what a great opportunity if you're listening today to turn on uh, your podcast of 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 thy strong word or anything on KFUO or put in your KFUO app to try to calm yourself down as you're trying to go back on Sunday evening. So that's my little plug. That's a Minnesota version of this. I don't know where, where you're listening from might be a little bit different, but there's an opportunity that you said so well this morning. Any last thoughts before we dig in here, pastor? No, I'm just really excited about the, about uh, the Lord's ministry and, and and also about the word that we're going to look at today. Awesome. Well, Pastor, as we are excited about this, can you begin us in prayer? Let us pray. Lord of life, the witness of your word is that you create and sustain life. 
You do this either yourself or through your chosen servants. We praise you for the ministry of life that you gave your servant Elisha. Grant us your uh, your loving guidance as we study your word today about this great saint of God. Grant that our lives of faith might be enriched by your Holy Spirit through the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Pastor, I, one of the, as you said, you're excited about this. I'm excited about this text because usually what happens is you go through the Sunday school um, materials you go through your own devotional life. We have Elijah. You remember Elijah. He goes to heaven. You kind of remember Elijah taking his cloak and putting it in the water and going across the Jordan River. But then it kind of stops, right? I mean, the story of that, then we kind of remember Naaman and leprosy. But today, I was reading it, and I was like, boy, chapter 4 is almost like... And, you know, we discussed this yesterday in our, our study as well, but almost like, wait, is this Elisha or is this Elijah? So it's a fascinating ride. So give us a little bit of a, a background as we come to 2 Kings chapter 4 about what's happening. Any any thoughts you have to start us off on the right foot? Well, it, it, it seems as if Elisha has a more um, powerful uh, ministry of signs than did Elijah. Yeah. Uh, and it, well, it's kind of interesting with, with the names, uh, you know, like even in, in, in the list of kings, you know, you, you'll have Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin and <laughs> Rehoboam and Jeroboam. You know, they're very similar. And a lot of times when, when uh, folks are lecturing in our services, they'll, they mix up Elisha with Elijah. Mm. Uh, Elisha um, you know, it, it, it basically had an awesome ministry. Uh, you know, there's some, the, the one thing that it's kind of maybe a drawback, or at least in the minds of some people that are, that are somewhat, uh, humanistic in their thought is like the time when he was challenged by the children of what Bethel and, uh, you know, they were, they were, cur- they were, um, making fun of him mm-hmm. as a prophet. And, and he, of course, uh, Cursed them, it says, and then and then these two she bears uh, came out of the uh, wilderness and destroyed many of them. So right. you know, I mean, it, it, it kind of points us out that 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 he had an awesome ministry, and that 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 it's God. You know, a lot, a lot of times that's that's um, maybe something that people have to realize that some all of this blasphemy and all of this challenging of God and His Word, you know, um, you know, just. It is not cool. <laughs> if you want to make it, make it a little simple here, um, you you have here uh, the incident where uh, you have something of great humanitarian worth in the beginning of chapter four. You have a a, a wife, a widow of one of the sons of the prophets, I and mean, you know that's sort of like a the uh, sort of a school of prophets, and mm-hmm. uh, you know which is sort of like a maybe a seminary. It was like maybe what we would consider the uh, forerunner of a seminary uh, her husband dies and they're in great debt and and her two sons are going to be uh, uh, taken into slavery so uh, well so elisha says well just get a you know what do you got in the house oh i got a cruise of oil okay take that cruise of oil and and dump it into uh, as many uh uh, you know empty uh, vessels that you containers and vessels that you possibly can have and and then sell the oil and pay the debt and then, and then you have this situation where he he goes past uh, this uh, Shunammite 
uh, a couple who, who are well to do. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, he of course goes there from, he goes there between there. And, uh, it's like the south, just south of Mount Hermon, uh, to uh, Mount Carmel. And, and it's right at the beginning of the Valley of Jezreel. That's up in the north. And, um, and she says, well, to her husband, let's, let's build a little study, uh, a guest house for him. Mm-hmm. And they do that. And then, and then he, um, uh, takes, takes them up on it. And then, and then he, he wants to repay them. And, uh, and they say, you know, the, the Gehazi, who is, who is, uh, uh, Elisha's servant, mm-hmm. uh, says, well, they, they're, they're old and they don't have any children. And so Eli, Elisha, promises to the Shunammite woman that she will have a son and with the same words that like God said to Sarah and the, the three visitors, uh, you know, in, in Genesis 18, you know, I will come back the same time and, and you will have a son. Uh, and, and then of course the woman is says, no, no, don't, don't, uh, uh, be kidding here, you know, or don't, uh, and then that's kind of where it leaves it. And then like this story picks up where the uh, little boy, becomes a, a young lad who's probably working out in the field. And it's it's really fascinating because these few stories, one connects us to so many other stories. Clearly with the Elisha and the widow's oil points us to 1 Kings chapter 17 with the widow of Zarephath that it just kept providing yep. the flour and oil. And here is a similar reality to this um, story is that the Lord provides. And then you had the Shunanite uh, woman and what I found interesting is we always hear of Sarah and um, and Abraham kind of like, well, laughing, like, okay, yeah, you're going to be able to do that. But here it's more, it's like, don't patronize me here, Elisha. Like, right. you've been hoping for a child for years. Don't you start messing with our emotions. And I, that's why I really find these Elisha stories, um, true stories, to be very... Um, you understand them. You can feel them almost because you can understand, uh, you know, you sat, I've sat with uh, um, men, uh, husbands and wives that can't have children. And so you can feel the feeling that they have or, or wondering where they're going to get money. And you can feel that the widow's struggles that are there. So I just, I felt these to be very, um, very close to the heart of what we experience even in today's world. And so that, that's been very powerful for me to hear about Elisha. Any other last thoughts on exactly. Elisha? Uh, you know, he he's um he's a type of Christ. Well, so is Elijah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Elisha, if you know, you notice there's a similarity, and we'll see that in these uh, miracles in or signs in in our uh, passage. But it points to Christ. It shows how Christ. Uh, you know, um, you know. For instance, um, there's a situation. Well, uh, I was thinking about the. Uh, the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000, you know, where, where, uh, it, it's almost like word for word from, from our, uh, from our text here. So, so always we can see the Elisha is, is a, uh, a type or a, um, one who is a forerunner of Christ who pictures Christ to God's people. And as I said at the beginning, and you and I have talked about this extensively, is you do what Luther says, and you look at the whole Bible, and you put on your Christ goggles. And how could we not do that this morning as we see the Lord working through Elisha for the people then, and also for us, showing us our Savior. 
So as we um, looked at all these things, let's dig into the text. Second uh, Kings chapter four, starting in verse eighteen. We're very blessed with the first number of verses yesterday with Pastor Dieterding, and today we are blessed to be able to look at it once again in the end of chapter four. So. Let's get started. A reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, starting verse 18, and we'll go through verse 20. When the child had grown, this is the the Shunammite woman's child, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. And the father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, The child sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. Now, Pastor, I wanted to stop there for a moment um, because this we want to give this full um, understanding of the real situation because we put ourselves into this situation. If you have children, I have four children myself, that when they're sick, this is like the worst of scenarios that you can imagine. And, and so there's a lot of emotions that go into this reality. It's their son, their only son, a gift from the Lord. And now as a mother holds this child, the child died right in her arms. Pastor, what are your thoughts? Um, and, and obviously, you've dealt with many things as a pastor. Um, what are the emotions? What are the feelings? How would you, I mean, how would you capture this? And that captures so much in these few verses. Any thoughts? Well, a wonderful thing is, is it can minister to uh, the tra- people in tragedies similar to that. I mean, we we live in a day and age where, where these types of tragedies uh, go on now, and and it, it it's interesting that uh, at times uh, uh, one uh, theologian once said that you know someone said, well, why did uh, God cause uh, this passage to be in the Bible? Well, because of what's happening right now where you need to be, you need the comfort of God's Word. You need the encouragement of God's Word. And, it, and, it, and these are real people that lived uh, 3,000 years ago. And, and uh, they, they underwent the same, you know, they had, you know, these, the tremendous uh, resources of, of his prophet. But, uh, you, know, they, you know, it's like it, it's so, it still is challenging then as it is today. And, and I think, as you just said, uh, that's the worst nightmare that you can possibly imagine is that uh, one of your dear children are, are die or are, are very ill, you know, and, and they're suffering and they're in pain and, and you don't know what to do. You know, it's, it's uh, uh, that it, 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 you can't, you can't uh, measure the, the, um, you know, the, the sorrow that's involved. Here. And that's why, um, I had a, a friend a few years ago that they, they had four children and one of their children just one day had a headache and didn't really know what, you know, and it's like, okay, have a headache, you know, have some, uh, have some Advil or whatever it is. And uh, within a few days, it was splitting to the point of no return. And, and then he goes in and they check it out and eventually they find out he has a brain tumor. And within only a few weeks, he was gone. And then that we went to the funeral with my own kids. And I remember I came back and this is why I wanted to capture just the reality of we don't have all the answers is that we went to the funeral with my own kids. And I remember we came back home and one of my children, when we put them to bed, came to our room middle of the night and they said, dad, my head hurts. I'm really scared. 
and and you know, I'm kind of emotional thinking about it right now is because this is the kind of this is the kind of stuff where we depend on the Lord um, because it not only affects the families but it affects all of us when we realize that we do not have control in this life, that at any moment, all of it is simply, that's why I end every program with saying, may the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands, just saying this is all in God's hands. And to be able to take a step back and to feel the emotions of this time, because this is where we see the gospel at its purest and its simplest and where we need it the most, that our Lord is with us in the midst of those trials because it is the Lord who provides. So that, that, that's part of what's really near and dear to my heart as I read these verses today. So, Pastor, any, any thoughts you have um, before we move on? Well, he obviously, uh, the, the, you know, the commentators say that the probably was suffering from heat stroke mm-hmm. and, and uh, that he, his uh, brain was, was um, a swollen. Uh, inflammation of the brain brought on by uh, heat, uh, sunstroke or heat stroke. Um, and, and it's just... You know, it's like, well, they didn't have, you know, it's something like, well, we could take them to the emergency room. No, there's nothing they could do. All all, all the mother could do is just uh, cradle the child in her lap and, and, you know, imagine imagine how she felt, you know. And, and I think she it's really interesting how she uh, copes with it, as we'll see. Absolutely. And so let's move on. I want to make sure we capture those emotions, but also here's the time that we see the Lord at work in wonderful ways. So verses 21 through 25, we'll read from here. And she, the mother, went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon or Sabbath. She said, All is well. Then she saddled the donkey, and she said to her servant, Urge the animal on, and do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Look, there is the Shunammite. So, I want, I want to stop there. It's probably a little bit awkward of a stop here because I just want to make sure we really hit home what's happening. Is so the son dies. She laid him in the, like you said, the extra room, the, the, the guest suite, if you will, for Elisha, lays him on that bed. And she just kind of says, you know what, we're going to go. And she says, all is well. And it reminds me so much of it is well with my soul, you know, that, that hymn that we will sing. Um, it is well, it is well with my soul kind of mentality. Because later on, it's clear that she is in a hurry. <laughs> you know, this is not like, well, all is well, we're all good, we're just going to go. But no, she's like, get there, do not slacken, go, go, go. But yet, she, at the same time, she says, all is well. What are your thoughts as we hear the Shunammite woman this morning? You know, that, that's rather interesting. Uh, it's uh, It's almost like, uh, when Abraham said to Isaac, when he was about to sacrifice him, you know, of course, which God prevented, uh, you know, the Lord will provide. Uh, the word there is shalom. Mm-hmm. You know, her, her only response is shalom, peace, or or uh, all is well. Or, you know, sometimes that's uh, kind of like a, a term that means never mind. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, it's okay. Everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's like her clear-headedness. 
she's very clear headed, isn't she? Uh, you know, in other words, she doesn't want to worry her husband probably because he would say, well, the, the boy is dead. There's nothing you can do about it or whatever. You know, uh, you better just stay home. You know, like, you know, why are you going to go see the man of God? It, you know, it's not a, a special holy day where you need to uh, have devotion or worship or something like that. Uh, she says, shalom. <laughs> yeah. Very clear headed. Very, yeah. very clear-headed uh, and a resourceful woman. I, I think she's a she's a real a real hero, hero heroine. Absolutely, and and that's something where um, this is another prayer for us. Not you don't only pray for the people who are coming back from a weekend at the lake, obviously, but you also pray for ourselves and for our loved ones that when trial comes, that the Lord gives us words of faith. And this is what this is. Like you said, shalom, peace, all is well. Because that is where um, she understands that the Lord will provide because here is this man of God. And we're going to see this later on with Naaman. It's kind of like, well, we know a guy to go to, you know. And that's the same thing that happens with the widow's oil and the Shunammite woman. I mean, all of this, it's very clear. This is the guy to go to because he's with the Lord. Um, and you pray for that the Lord will give us the right words of faith, that people will give us the words that come from the Lord, and that we're able to see the Lord in the midst of those trials. Because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And we pray for that strength that he gave to this woman, obviously. Um, because her words are, are beyond, like, I believe, help my unbelief. It is a complete faith statement that she makes here that we pray we all have. Other thoughts? Yeah, and she's an excellent uh, model for um, parents that are undergoing the same kind of emergency. You might say, mm-hmm. be clear-headed about it. Mm-hmm. You know, do you know? You, you probably, um, you know, more can be done. I mean, from our perspective, I mean, uh, it's all the, we we God is the one that that disposes. We propose, but God disposes. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, we got a problem, Lord, help us. Uh, you know, let, but, but let's be clear-headed about it. Let's do what we can to give us a give us the best blessing. Absolutely. And and when you look at the look at the rest, she goes to Mount Carmel. Obviously, this has kind of become a a central point for Elisha, uh, for a ministry uh, uh, headquarters, I guess you would call it. And the cool thing about it is that Elisha is a is a man that he he knows the people that God had blessed him with. And so he sees her from a di- I mean, from a distance. He just sees her coming. We don't know how far away. But he says to the servant, look, there's a Shunammite. And so he knows that this woman is not going to come unless there's something needed. He recognizes the people by which the Lord has blessed them with. And it's just a reminder for us that Elisha was not this guy sitting up on his throne, unaware of his surroundings or just whoever, just give me something. But he is there to serve because that's what we see with Elisha too. He's not just um, he's not just there to to do all these great things, but he's there to serve for the sake of God's people. Any other thoughts from those verses? Uh, they're they're very comforting and very uh, they direct us to uh, uh, like the peace that God gives to us. Very good. So let's continue on, and we're moving at a pretty good pace here. But I want to get through these verses. 26 through 31, because we see this great woman of faith at the same time do what we all need to do, which is at times lament, maybe even a little bit of anger towards God because of the situation that we are in. So we read verses 26 through 31 before we get to our break. 
He says, uh, verse 25, he says, look, there is a Shunammite. Verse 26, run at once to meet her and say to her, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, all is well. And when she came to the mountain to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, and the Lord Yahweh has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, Did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? And he said to Gehazi, Tie up your garment and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. If anyone greets you, do not reply. And lay my staff at the face of the child. And when the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. And Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or life sign of life. Therefore he returned to meet him and told him, The child has not awakened. So, Pastor, I want to touch this before we get to our break. We have about two minutes left before our break is that he says, there's a Shunammite, run to her. She runs. He runs to her, the servant, and says, is everything well with you? And she says it again, Pastor. All is well. What is What is she doing? What is What statement is she making here? Uh, well, in this particular case, I think she, uh, she wants to talk to the prophet. You know, uh, she doesn't, you know, she, she wants to kind of, because it's uh, the time is of the essence. Uh, she, she wants to... Um, uh, go to him. And, um, you know, maybe that's kind of like a reminder to us at times, you know, God blesses us and provides for us through intermediaries, uh, like, uh, you know, families, the parents provide for the children or, or the government provides for people that are in need or anything. But sometimes you want to cut through the red tape and go right to, uh, God or, or the person that, that, uh, would be able to assist you. That's a good point. That's a very practical point to this is, am I going to, am I going to go to the, the secretary or the administrative assistant, or do I want to go for the real deal? You know, I, I just don't want to talk to the nurse. I want to talk to the doctor about what's going on in my life right now. So that's, that's a, that's a very profound thing for you to say with this. And she says the same word though, all is well, which reminds us again of another faith statement. Like you said, it's probably actually Shalom. That reminds us that she's yes, a woman of faith. Um, so uh, we have about 30 seconds here, Pastor. Any last thoughts uh, on these verses? I mean, the beginning, basically this part, all is well before we go to our break. Well, and, and you can see that uh, Elijah had a different uh, pattern of ministry than in Elijah. Elijah was more uh, direct. Uh, Elisha is, is willing to, um, you know, probably to train uh, his servant. Maybe he thought Gehazi was going to be his successor as a prophet, you know? Uh, so, so uh, it's interesting how, uh, you know, the difference of ministerial style between Elijah and Elisha. That's something interesting. We should maybe talk about a little bit after our break. We are studying second Kings chapter four with Dave, pastor David Boyce Claire, and we'll be right back. happening in Germany's Lutheran churches? 
where Iranian refugees are flooding through the doors? What new opportunities for sharing the Christian faith are arising in communist Vietnam, and how can my church play a part? Mission speakers, all LCMS pastors from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, will come to your church, free of charge, to preach and lead Bible studies tying into this exciting work going on all around the world. To schedule your speaker, call LHF at 800-554-0723. And welcome back. We are studying 2 Kings chapter 4 with David Boisclair, Pastor David Boisclair, excuse me. And as we ended is... Maybe there's some distinctions between Elijah and Elisha. I do, you know, I found it interesting at the beginning of our time, Pastor, that you brought up the reality that Elisha almost has cooler stories. I mean, they kind of, like you said, it's pretty yeah. cool, but he has some pretty rocking stories in here. And Elijah, yeah, I get fed by ravens. Yeah, he does have the story of the Mount Carmel incident, but continuously Elisha has these rocking stories. Any other thoughts on, on the distinction of Elijah and Elisha? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that God did fulfill, uh, you know, Elisha asked Elijah, you know, if you are going to leave, you know, what can I have a greater uh, measure of, of the spirit of God? Uh, you know, in other words, uh, and, 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 much in the same way as like the apostles did some miracles or signs that were even more spectacular even than Jesus did, because like it says that, that, uh, where on whosoever, uh, on whichever ill person or, or person needing help, uh, the shadow of Peter fell, they were healed. Uh, you know, and so you can see that, uh, you know, like greater works than these you shall do as Christ tells his apostles. Um, you know, it's it's just an, it's a lot of parallels between uh, the ministry of our Lord and the ministry of Elisha. And so as we move forward in these verses, verses 26 through 31, um, we see... We see how, okay, Gehazi's come, um, and then she finally, she gets to uh, Elisha. As she goes, she goes to his feet. Gehazi's like, what is going on? But Elisha can figure out that, you know what, there's something more here. And she says in agony, simple words, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? And then that's it. I mean, she doesn't say anything more. But Elisha knows exactly what's going on. Any any thoughts on that? Yes, um, I, and, and it's what's interesting. It's the same like when the Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus, and uh, the disciples say, "You know, send her away." So they're 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 in a sense they're trying to protect themselves and protect uh, their master. Um, and uh, you know, and, and Gehazi is of course you know mindful of of uh, protecting his. Uh, Master Elisha, and um, you know Elisha says, "No, just just leave her alone." You know, I there's something there's more to it than that. But then it's interesting that uh, Elisha mentions that you know he doesn't know what exactly what the problem was. Kind of like it, I think he can guess at what it is at that point. But I mean, before he he you know he knew there was something wrong, but he didn't know exactly. So as one commentator says, you know his his uh, uh, prophetic gift did not uh, cover all things. He, he wasn't omniscient. He didn't know everything about what was wrong. That's true. That's very true. 
but he has a sense of it and knows that there has been a loss. And so he basically says to Gehazi, um, hurry back. Don't talk to anybody, you know, kind of like, like in Minnesota, you know, you kind of wave to everybody, you drive by kind of mentality. Don't even do that. Just go and you are to get to that house, lay my staff at the face of the child and, and, and go from there. So he does that. Um, the mother says, I'm going to stay with Elijah. Gehazi goes ahead and basically the child does not awaken. So this reminds me of, of when Jesus goes to the girl that had died in Mark chapter five and they're in there grieving and he goes in and basically says, uh, why are you making a commotion? The child's not dead, but sleeping. I mean, like you said, these are the Christ connections that we see that he, he does what he's supposed to do, but yet he kind of has a you know, by the way, this child's not alive yet. Um, what are your thoughts on on these verses? Yes, and, and uh, it's just the human value. It, it's just, it's so real. Uh, there's a, what you call in, um, I know you usually use it for fiction, you talk about verisimilitude. In other words, there you can sense the reality of this event. Uh, you know, this is, this is they're, they're recounting real events. Uh, and, and it's almost as if you you went back in time and you were a witness to all of these things. It's, mm. it's really exciting. It is exciting. Absolutely. So the child is not yet awakened. Um, as it says, like I said, in Mark chapter 5, basically it's like, well, she's you know, he is uh, simply asleep. And so as we look at these next number of verses... It's important for us to understand that we don't know the the fullness of of what is going on, but we do know the son died, and we do know that the Lord will provide, and so he provides in the way that he does. So let us read verses 32 through 37. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. When he went up and lay on the child, he, then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself upon him. The flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house, and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Then the, he summoned Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. And she, when she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. So a very, um, a very, I, I call it a very methodic, I mean, very much so telling us every detail by which he did. Um, it's obviously not the same as when Jesus resurrected the people that he did, but any any thoughts on the the method or the 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 way this happened and how Elisha went through this? Any significance to this? Well, it, it, you can see the the parallel maybe when Jesus healed uh, a blind man, where he at first he puts his hands on his eyes and then he 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 can't see perfectly clearly. Then he said, "I see right. men like trees walking around," and then Jesus puts his hands on him again. Um, the one of the one of the things the commentators mention is that it it's it, it it emphasizes that the power does not come from the prophet himself, mm. although we know uh, you know looking forward to chapter thirteen of Second Kings uh, when 
uh, Elijah, there was a, his grave was opened, you know, Elisha's, I'm sorry, Elisha's grave was opened. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone was buried or fell into the, into the pit as dead. And then they, they touched the bones of Elisha and, and they were reawakened. I like that term, uh, uh, that they were awakened. Uh, It isn't, it isn't like a, uh, a zombie uh, resurrection or, or resuscitation, uh, but it is a reawakening and a resurrection that's being done here. Uh, and uh, but again, it, it's it points to God as being the the source of life and the source of uh, you know the one to decide when when we ultimately die. You know, there's always always the, there's always a chance. There's always that God will listen to, you know, change circumstances. But for us Christians, we have to remember that even when we do depart from this life, the Bible teaches us that it's far better we're going to be with Christ, as the Apostle says, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. And and um, so so ultimately we're winners both ways, both ways as as believers, yeah. Now, Pastor, one of the situations might happen here, that there's two maybe skepticisms that happen. First one is, um, that happened to him, but how come that didn't happen to my child? Any thoughts on that? Oh, I think that's a really good point. Uh, a lot of, you know, people, and people may tend to get angry with God. You know, well, you, you raised uh, this child. Uh, you know, I, I kind of been brought back to uh, one of the uh, 1950s uh, biblical epics, uh, The Robe. Uh, there's the one, the one uh, slave good Christian Demetrius is, is, uh, near death. And then, and then, um, uh, Peter comes and, and he's healed. Uh, you know, and, and the, the one, the, the reaction of, of one of the unbeliever, the unbelieving, uh, um, fiance of, of the one man of, of Marcellus, you know, she says, you know, your God doesn't want you to die. Otherwise she, he wouldn't have sent Peter to, to save Demetrius, you know, you know, it's, it's interesting how maybe people that don't believe look at this. Mm. And, and it, I think our attitude in our, our, our faith in God should be like the three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they say, you know, maybe, maybe God will not, maybe we will perish in the fiery furnace, but that doesn't matter. You know, it's kind of, for the Christian, there is no, um, you know, ultimately, this life is not all there is, and and um, you know that I guess that's the hope that we have in Christ. I I can't really understand the type of world that somebody who doesn't believe in Christ lives in, because mm. if after this life there's no hope, there's nothing, or, or you know, there's eternal damnation. But I mean, I'm just saying that that uh, you know that they're in a terrible situation. And so, again, it's comforting to see that God is in control. And the second um, skepticism that might happen in such a scenario is, okay, let's be honest here. What happened was Elisha goes there. He does a little CPR, right? I mean, it goes mouth to mouth, and he just, you know, the boy was uh, dealing with whatever, and he gave mouth to mouth resuscitation. He gets resuscitated. He sneezes seven times. I don't think there's any significance to that besides um, I've never sneezed that many times, but uh, that would be kind of uncomfortable in my mind. But anyway, so he sneezed, gets all the gunk out, and he is revived. It was not a resurrection. It was a resuscitation, if you will. So uh, any thoughts on those skepticisms that people might have? 
Well, it, it's like you're not given all the details. Perhaps it was, you know, ultimate, but ultimately, um, you know, it, the child is said to be dead. Uh, that's what the word says. So, and he was raised from the dead mm-hmm. uh, by God through his prophet, uh, Elisha. Um, you know, a lot of there, you, you, you shouldn't want to try to explain away uh, miracles or signs, uh, you know, and, and recognize the fact that God is able to perform, uh, you know, supernatural, uh, you know, extra, you know, just tremendously uh, powerful signs that, that, that don't, that uh, aren't, cannot be explained, you know, mm-hmm. um, there are, uh, you know, maybe to quote Shakespeare here, as, as uh, Hamlet said to his friend Horatio, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. I think I need to challenge you to, uh, is to quote him every program from now on. I mean, these are great quotes oh. from uh, <laughs> from Shakespeare. Who knew? I mean, I usually quote like sports people. I mean, you got you got Shakespeare. This is great. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so that's great. That's great that you got the sports people because they're they're the ones that are the they're the ones that uh, have the excuses. That's the Greek word there for oh, they have geez. the discipline. There you go to run the race. Yeah, we'll there we it. go. We'll, we'll take it. Yeah. So what I love to before we get to the last number of verses, is that called call the Shunammite. So she comes in. She saw him. She picked up her son, um, fell at his feet, gave Pabi a prayer, and then picked up her son and went out. And so here you see a scenario where God does what he does. She picks up her son, goes and lives out her vocation. And I think that's an important thing for us to remember, too, that the glory of God being revealed does not necessarily mean that there's thousands and thousands of people that gather around and admire it. It's simply this, that God worked in her life and she went back to her life. And that's really our lives too, that the Lord works and we go back to our everyday tasks, loving our, loving our spouses, loving our children, loving our, our, um, loving our neighbor, uh, going to work, going home and being fulfilled as our Lord has called us to this new day, needing repentance, needing forgiveness, and needing his grace. Any any thoughts on that? I, it's simple. It's not really that profound, but I just found it how simple it was, how the story ends. One of the things uh, I remember in the early 70s, it came a movie called Godspell from a play, you know, a Broadway play. Uh, at the end of the movie, they take the dead Jesus uh, into the city, and then all of a sudden, the city comes back to life as normal or something. So, you know, although I, you know, again, any, the fact that they didn't witness to the resurrection is a, a very bad defect to that film. But yet it has a truth in it, as you just said, that people after uh, an encounter with God, where God helps, where God answers prayer, where, where, where you know, the scenario is, is maybe a little better than it was the day before, that they go back to doing what God has put them there to do. And, and I think that's, that's an important, uh, what you just said is, is very important here. So as we look at this, we move forward from, the, from that. I mean, there's, there's simple stories in, in this chapter, and then there's more like profound stories. So it starts with the widow's oil, the Lord provides, so this woman would not go starving. Um, and then it goes, the Lord provides a son, to the Shunammite woman, and and then the Lord provides a resurrection. So those are the ones you're like, wow, that's really good. And this next one is kind of 
simple. I mean, it goes to stew. I mean, this is like the uh, um, the the sandwich soup and sandwich that you have for a Lenten meal. I mean, that's kind of how we how we would see soup nowadays. Like, you make a soup because it's kind of tradition. Otherwise, we don't have it. Um, because we want a burger, we want, we want a sandwich, we want, you know, a full seven course meal. But I think there's more to the story than we realize as we look at it. So let's read verses 38 through 41 as it speaks about Elisha purifying a deadly stew is how the headline says it. Verses 38 to 41. And Elisha came again to Gilgal when there was a famine in the land. And as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to a servant, Set on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds and came and cut them up into the pot of stew, not knowing what they were. And he poured them, and then they, and they poured out some for the men to eat. But while they were eating of the stew, they cried out, O man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. And he said, Then bring flour. And he threw it into the pot and said, Pour out for the men, and they may eat. And then there was no harm in the pot. Now, this is a unique story because it, it really almost shows us something that would be more of a minor inconvenience for our day and age. Like, oh, I can't have... Uh, I can't have any stew, therefore I'm going to go on the subway and get a sandwich. But it seems like there's more to the story than we just can't have a little stew and there's other options. Any thoughts? Yes, uh, there. It, it's it's kind of like um, um, in in this particular case, uh, there there's some uh, discussion among commentators whether or not there really was death in the pot. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was with this wild gourd. It's a colintha, or I'm sorry, col, mm-hmm. uh, Was it looked like a big orange? Um, it it has a, a very bitter uh, a, a taste, and and I guess if you eat too much of it, it can be fatal. But it, it all it, it it's um, you know it, it reminds me of what happened when the people were coming out of Egypt and came to a place called Mara. It was probably called that because of the bitter water that was there. And, and Moses mm-hmm. was instructed by God to put, put into the water a, a, some wood or a branch that was able to sweeten uh, the, the water. Um, in, in this case, you know, of course, uh, Elisha wants to disarm their fears. I mean, you know, of course, you know, if you stop and think, if it was me, I would take, uh, pour this stuff out, you know, <laughs> don't, don't eat it, right. Right. <laughs> and, and make some new make some new stew. Uh, but uh, in the case of the prophet, uh, he um, he just takes and puts some meal in there, and, and, and then it probably just take, took out that bitter taste or that flavor from it, and, uh, um, and, and it was still uh, nutritive to them. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, too, because it speaks about there being a famine in the land. And so this food is something that they needed. I mean, they needed the sustenance. And so um, for us, like, oh, you know, having a stew, well, that, that's fine. You have some grilled cheese instead. You know, you still got the sandwich at the, at, the, at the Lenten supper that you have. But in this scenario, this is what they needed. And so why didn't he throw it out? I'm not sure. I'm assuming because there wasn't a whole lot else to have. So he definitely um, shows that the Lord will provide uh, when there's uh, uh, poverty. 
that the Lord will provide when there's um, barrenness. The Lord will provide when there's death. And the Lord will provide when there is hunger. And so this whole chapter has so many of those wonderful th- themes to remind us that the Lord will provide. So any any thoughts on Lord's providence as we look at this chapter? Well, I, yes. I mean, uh, it, it's it's kind of, I, I'm just sort of reminded, like, if you're out in the middle of the desert and you're, you're hungry, uh, you know, you, you see many of Western stories about that. They'll eat rattlesnake or they'll eat, uh, they might even eat uh, mice or rats or something if necessary. Uh, and, and in this case, of course, it's, it's this uh, particular uh, gourd that they eat. But, but well, and again, God can still bring sustenance and, 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 and save even through something that is just unpalatable, you know, you that you cannot possibly eat, but you have to eat. <laughs> and, and again, God provides, as you, as you just said. That's, that's the theme of that, this whole chapter. It's funny. A little side note is when I was a kid, for every Christmas, and still to this day, I can just, I can taste it, I can smell it, is my, my, my dad's side of the family would always have pea soup or oyster stew. That was the rule. That was the meal, Christmas Day, this is what was being offered. And guess what? To me, pea soup and oyster stew may as well be this wild gourd <laughs> that came in the <laughs> stew. And it was just, I was reading this and I was kind of just chuckling because I'm like, yeah, I might, I probably as a kid would have said that stuff tastes like death, you know, and no flour was going to make that stuff taste palatable for me to be able to eat. So anyways, that's a complete side note that is not at all relatable, but just kind of a fun story. So <laughs> how about you, pastor? What, what would be a stew of death for you? Well, uh, I, I just can't, uh, I can't think of it. Uh, there, uh, you know, at times I remember sometimes my parents tried to get me to eat something that I didn't like. And then, uh, my mother, they took away the, the, the what was uh, like, it was scalloped potatoes. I love scallop scallop potatoes now, but, but they, what they did was they substituted for the scalloped potatoes, uh, uh dry bread and water. And, and I ate it and drank it greedily because <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to be smart or anything. I just liked uh, eating dry bread and, and drinking water. So, there, there it is. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I'm sure a lot of us, a lot of us have that, you know, you, you, I, I, I mean, I, I, in my own family, I have a cousin that just will not eat, uh, um, um, Brussels sprouts. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, you, you, any kind of, any kind of vegetable like that. And, and, <laughs> Well, once you know again, that is. And once again, the Lord if, provides. If the Lord provides. <laughs> so, yes. Well, let's keep. If you're hungry, you know, you've got to eat. You got to eat. You got to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so let's continue on. We have about five minutes left in our program today, our study. And so, if we could read verses 42 till the end of our chapter, verse 44. A man came from Baal, Baal Shilisha bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, give it to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, how can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them and they ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. So here, uh, it, it kind of, you know, it's the same kind of premise with 38 to 41. 
but it has, I cannot stop at help to think about um, the feeding of the 5,000. That there's always a lot of question marks is how did this bread, how did he have so much bread? How did the fish get distributed so well? And it kind of leaves with the same questions here. He has enough food um, that does not seem to be enough for the whole crowd, but they said, feed it and they will have enough. And he does. So any thoughts on this and maybe comparison to the feeding of the 5,000 or other parts of the Bible? Yes, uh, Jesus said in encountering Satan's first temptation about turning stones into bread, man or, or human beings do not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that's what you, you know, that's what they were learning in, in 50 years in the wilderness. I mean, that, that's why they were, that's why God permitted them to be out there. You know, you need to rely on the word of the God, word of God. In, the, in this particular case, it's like, it's, it's almost an exact parallel. You know, in other words, uh, what are the, what is five loaves and two fish uh, among so many? 5,000 men plus their women and children who might have been another, well, in other words, 10,000 people fed by five uh, loaves of, and, and, and they were barley loaves too, and two fishes. Um, in, in, in this particular case, it, it, it shows that God will provide, um, and, and, and like one of the, one of the commentators says, well, it's a little different because Elisha just simply gives a prophecy. He says that thus says the Lord, everyone shall eat and there shall be some left over. And so, uh, that's, that's, that's our comfort in knowing that God will provide and there will be uh, food left over. And this is very helpful. It goes along with the theme of the mo- the mother uh, picks up her son, goes home, and and lives out her life. Same thing happens here, where most people will never know that this was a work of the Lord. They just see some stew. These guys are eat about to eat it. They don't eat it. They put some flour in. They ate it. Everything is fine. Um, that a hundred men are there uh, about to eat. Someone put some food in front of them. They ate. They went home. And I think it reminds us very much so of the simplicity of the Christian life. That sometimes we try to make it so complex, but it's, I'm a sinner, what do I need? Forgiveness. I go to church, I hear the word of God for whatever amount of time that might be. You know, we are we are part of the Lutheran hour, so you're just an hour long. You go there, you go back home. It looks so simple. You go up, you have some bread, you have some wine. Um, it seems so simple, but yet God works through all of that, not only in the, in the, 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 the holy things like we have with the precious sacraments and the word of God, but also in our daily life that he daily enrichly provides me for all that I need to sustain this body and life. I love the simplicity of this and showing us the simplicity of faith as well. Pastor, we have about two minutes left. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts or what last thoughts in chapter four and the implications for us today? We look at we look at all of this with the wonder, the joy of a child of God, as Jesus said. You know, whoever will be uh, follow after me must uh, become as a little child, and and that is of course the the aspect of, of the Christian believer that that all we can do is, is look at it with such wonder and joy at, at God's goodness, and and, and as you say, in, in such a simple way. You know, like the disarming uh, questions the angels ask the women at the at the uh, empty tomb. Uh, you know, uh, what are you doing here? You know, he's not here. Uh, or the angels as as Christ ascended into heaven. You know, um, 
you know, this name Jesus will come back. You know, it, it just points to the, the simple and, and the beautiful ways in which God comes into our lives and through the means of grace. Just simple bread and wine that is, that is consecrated uh, by the Lord Jesus when he first instituted his supper. Uh, it, it's, like, it, it's like we belong to him, and he is the center of our life. Pastor David Boyce-Claire from Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from 2 Kings chapter 4. Pastor Boyce-Claire, thank you again for being our guest. It's a, it's a, a blessed privilege. Saints of our Lord, as the Lord provided a ram for Abraham, and they, they, they pronounce that place to be the Lord will provide. When asked to sacrifice his son, the Lord provided for them, and he provided today with, for the widow a son for the Shunammite, food for the widow, and a resurrection for that same son. Here today, we see this as a type of Christ, because we see Christ, who is our bread of life, who provides um, the sustenance for our faith and our salvation, who is the only son who provides new life through Christ. And as Paul tells us in Romans, he who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. This is our hope and this is our strength. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. <laughs>